How are music therapists changing the lives of people in Canada? What is the latest research and trends? You are tuned into the Canadian Music Therapy Podcast, and we will explore these questions with our guests today. Let's get started. Welcome to the Canadian Music Therapy Podcast. We're your hosts, Adrian and Kathy. On today's show, we speak with Yasmin Kawar about her work with persons in addictions recovery, trauma, and abuse. She tells us more about what it was like for her starting out in music therapy and what her best advice is for new music therapists. Here's a little more about Yasmin. Yasmin Kawar is a Jordanian-Canadian music therapist and qualifying counseling therapist working in the Shabuktuk, Halifax area. Yasmin specializes in providing music therapy in mental health settings, and she's currently working with persons in addictions recovery, trauma and abuse, and criminalized populations. Her approach is person-centered, intersectional, and anti-oppressive. Yasmin also serves as vice president for the board of the Atlantic Association for Music Therapy and secretary for the creative arts and counseling chapter of the Canadian Counseling and Psychotherapy Association. Yasmin, welcome to the podcast. We're excited to have you here from Halifax, Nova Scotia. Hi, thank you so much for having me. It's great. It's great to be here. So I'm going to jump right in and I want to know what work are you currently involved with? Um, So right now, I currently work in mental health and addictions populations in Halifax. Um, I'm a nonprofit, um, and I pretty much just contract myself out to different facilities. I've worked with men, women, and co-ed centers, you know, private and nonprofit. Yeah, and I'm just starting up my own private practice, kind of blending counseling and music therapy, I guess like music psychotherapy in a way, um, serving individual clients, uh, mostly on like low income scales at the moment. Yeah. Mm. And so what drew you to working with people with addiction and mental health issues? And so when I was in high school, I was kind of the counselor friend (laughs) for a lot of my friends. (laughs) And um, I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed being there for people and really understanding their process, why they see the world a certain way. I think this connects to the fact that I moved to Canada when I was pretty young. I was 12 years old. I moved from Jordan. That really kind of showed me that you know, I, I'm coming from a very different experience, so it pushed me to want to understand people's experiences mm. more. Yeah, I just have an affinity to really try to understand the mind and the inner workings of people's emotions. And addictions is such a multifaceted uh, field of work mm-hmm. that really appeals to the way that my mind works and the the kind of kind of compatibility in that approach. Uh, so it just worked out really well in that way for me. Yeah. That's amazing. And do you find that a lot of your clients may have like comorbid, whether it's addiction and mental health, sort of interconnected? Would that be common? Oh, all the time. It's not Mm. uh, disconnected. It cannot be disconnected. Um, I think we're moving towards a better understanding of addiction stemming from trauma and stemming Mm. from a lot of circumstances that people have experienced that never had language for or tools for or a space for. Um, and we're alone with it. And so, you know, a substance uh, or or gambling even becomes kind of the way to cope because it's too painful to feel those things. 
Mm-hmm. So absolutely, they're connected. They they cannot be separated. I think, yeah. Hmm. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I love the fact that you tie in, you know, moving to Canada and your unique perspective and how mm-hmm. you know you're really curious to understand the lens of people here. That's amazing. I love that. And so, what was it like for you starting out in music therapy? Um, so starting out, I, I initially wanted to do psychology and kind of go that route. Um, but I really wanted to keep music in my life because I've been playing piano since I was like six years old and it was Mm. a big part of my life. Um, and it was my outlet and my, my therapy in a lot of ways. And then I heard about music therapy and I was like, what's this? (laughs) Um, (laughs) it just combines these things. And so I applied to Acadia and, uh, I did the program there, um, and then I completed my internship in Halifax um, with HeartSparks Music Therapy with Anna Plaskett. Um, it was a great experience. I, I got to work with all kinds of populations, which was really helpful to push me towards mental health even more because mm. I got exposed more to that, and it really confirmed that path for me. Um, and I was working for maybe one or two years, kind of contracting my services afterwards. Um, but then I realized I really needed more knowledge and, and just really wanted more, just wanted to know more about the mm. work I'm doing and really learn. And so I went back to school um, and I did a year at Concordia. And uh, the pro from that is I get to register as a counselor out of that program. So that's nice, um, which will also help my work in the field that I'm working in, in mental health here in Nova Scotia. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And so I know uh, your curiosity drove you to Concordia, excuse me, but what, uh, what you learn there? What did, you know, what's the program about? (laughs) I'm just curious too. Well, (laughs) it's about a lot of things. Yeah. Um, I learned I learned how to read critically. I think that's a really big thing. Uh, I learned how to consume research consciously. Um, I'm not a huge researcher myself, but um, I really enjoy consuming knowledge and kind of understanding how to apply it to my own life, my own work. And so that was a huge thing that I took out of that. Mm -hmm. Um, I really feel like I advanced my mind in a lot of ways Um, and in like I think more things inform my approach now than they have before and Mm. I think I'm I just more I feel more conscious in my work with clients yeah oh that's interesting I love the phrase consuming research and just having that critical eye and I think that comes with age Mm -hmm. but also academia as well just sort of looking at things from you know different professors you know encourage you to look at things critically uh, mm-hmm. take out different pieces of information and so do you see yourself going to more schooling because I feel like you will you, you're like a lifelong learner I feel like <laughs> oh so I I don't know I have a very interesting relationship with academia I think there's there's lots that uh, needs to be different in the way that we approach education and school. Um, so I'm hesitant to want to say yes right away, just from, you know, I'm kind of still in my own my own mm-hmm. recovery after doing a year <laughs> in grad school. So it's hard to say at the moment. I really do believe that research is the language that's needed to advance the profession in a lot of fields and a lot of ways. Um, and I think that people need to kind of be able to have that uh, as an arsenal in their tool belt like they they need that uh, but at the same time not everybody's meant to be a researcher you know not not everyone's 
equipped for that part of it, but you know, reading critically and reviewing, um, I think that is something I would be very interested in doing myself. Yeah. I'd love to hear what advice you would give to newer music therapists just starting out or even to students. Oh man, so much. Uh, <laughs> so I think it would be a bit different giving advice to students uh, versus to professionals just starting out. Mm. Um, to students, I, I think overall, I would say, um, be critical of the systems that you work and study in. I think that's a huge part of advancing our profession, of, of really tweaking the way we teach music therapy, um, and also of being able to serve the people that need us the most. I've definitely worked in many different places that, uh, you know, may have had questionable things going on. And so it's it's very important to be aware of that, be aware of the environment you're in, be aware of um, how you approach things within that. Um, and being aware of burnout, that's, a, that's another piece of advice. But oftentimes we talk about burnout in relation to clients, um, but I think burnout can also come from the systems we work in. And this is a very general thing, you know, our society could definitely use a lot more love, a lot more connection, a lot more understanding and, and humanity. And I think the work that we do is so inherently human and connecting and just really understanding, you know, how that interplays within the broader context that you work, live and study in is really important and how that affects you with burnout because we are, we are human beings as well. So that's definitely something I would give advice, you know, be aware of be aware of your context and environment and how it impacts you. The other part of burnout I would also tie in is uh, keep music for you. That's mm. a huge thing. I think we tend to lose sight of sometimes because music becomes for everybody else and uh, losing touch of music for yourself can, can really inhibit you as a music therapist, mm. at least in my experience I've found. Um, so I really try to keep certain albums, certain songs, certain artists or genres even just for me. I would never use with clients or mm. if I do, I, you know, have to kind of create a, a protective bubble around those tools that, you know, mean something to me, uh, but also mean something to a client. But really keep playing music for you and playing music for you, making music for you, not, not losing touch of that, I think helps immensely with burnout. Oftentimes music starts as our own therapy. Um, so keeping it, keeping it there for us is also important. Yeah. Really great words of wisdom from your experience so far and really important for, I would say anyone practicing, not just people starting out in this field. Mm -hmm. so, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So kind of um, piggybacking on talking about music and um, music for you, but I'd love to hear more about how you bring music into your work in working with addictions and trauma. A little bit, yeah. I did. I did a practicum with kind of a, a women's nonprofit uh, that supports women transitioning back into the community, and so um, yeah. There's oh, there's lots. It's uh, every context is very different. Um, I think the most important thing um, kind of as like a bedrock foundation to all my work is being as trauma-informed as possible. 
Um, that's at the core of a lot of my clients' experiences. A sense of safety and familiarity is really important for our clients. And so I, I often try to create a ritual in my sessions where, um, you know, we might start with an emotional check-in or a ritual song, um, or we might kind of go around and just say what's on our mind that day. That's It's really important to kind of have that space to just arrive um, right before doing our, you know, bigger emotional work. And starting off with music is great to give people a chance to, you know, really let off any steam or, or just engage musically. This is the musical space we have entered now. Um, and then I, I often use lyric analysis um, and, so, and I tie in psychoeducation and kind of verbal processing into those discussions. But it's amazing how many interpretations to one song there can be. <laughs> it's, it's really beautiful to, to be a witness to that and, and be part of that space um, in conversation with clients. Uh, I also do improvisation and songwriting. And this really just depends on the group and where they are that day, because some days, you know, music is too much and some days music is just enough and some days music is all we want to do. And so it really depends on the energy of the group. And I think it's important to give choice. And I, I really highlight that with my clients, give choice. What would you like to do next? What is, where is your energy at right now? Uh, I think that's really important in this work. It's so important and so challenging for us to be prepared and also present in the moment. So prepared and flexible. We talk about that a lot as music therapists, and that's what I'm hearing. You have this openness in your practice to be to be ready to to be present to your clients' needs in the moment. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'll build on that a little. It definitely didn't start off that way. Uh, you know, I, I would write session plans and then come in with this whole idea of what I want to do, but I really don't have the control in the group. And that's something I had to learn very, very quickly is if I'm in a group of five people, including me, I only have one fifth of the energy in the room. And so honoring everybody else is, is such a huge part of this work um, and kind of that trauma-informed lens. And giving choice where choice maybe wasn't there in the past for people. Yes, and I want to ask a little more about your trauma-informed approach to practice. Is that something that you were able to learn more about in the MA at Concordia? Or is that something that you have um, personally pursued more learning or both? I think both and more, really. It's um, it, like school definitely gave me the research aspect of how to, you know, how to understand trauma, literature about it, um, reading those those articles and those books were really important in, in my learning. But at the same time, pursuing my own learning has been pretty huge. Uh, I remember when the Wisdom of Trauma movie came out by Gabor Mate, that was very huge confirmation of, oh yes, this is this is the work I'm doing. And really going to all of those talks and and going to conferences and going to summits and all of that. That's really, really important. And then, you know, further than that, I would say um, just through my own work and through my own emotional processing and my own therapy, which I think every person should should be involved in, in themselves if they're working uh, as a as a caregiver, as a therapist in any population, um, doesn't mean it has to be in mental health, but 
yeah, I think it's really important to be willing to look at yourself and, and your story and really understand your responses to the world and life and work, um, which will just help you inform uh, how you work with clients and, and how you can relate with them and, and understand their story better as well. So I think all of that plays into being trauma-informed. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I agree wholly. And again, really good, really strong words of wisdom to share. Um, yeah, appreciate yeah. it. Now I'm going to ask you a question that I've asked lots of people, lots of music therapists from across Canada. I'd love to hear your ideas about your vision or your hopes for our profession of music therapy going forward. Wow. Um, I would really like music therapy to be everywhere. Just it, I just want it to be a very normal part of healthcare, a very normal part of, of life for people. Um, I think when it comes to healthcare, you know, we really tend to see it through the medical lens, the medical model. And in Western, in the Western world, there's lots of elements of that that can be dehumanizing. Uh, and so I think music is inherently humanizing, as I've mentioned before. And so bringing that in uh, kind of cuts cuts through all of that. It, it just gets right to the heart of the matter, right to the heart of the individual. And that's, that's such a powerful thing. Um, it would be really nice if that was that was the new lens that we approached healthcare and, and people and helping and, you know, in every population possible, every, every human possible. Um, I really echo the words of Paul Lausanne, my professor at Acadia, that everybody has that music child, you know, everybody is a musical being. I really truly believe that, you know, your, your heart is a drum. And so I really try to try to embody that in my own work and, uh, would love to see that embodied in our world. Yeah. Beautiful and beautifully said. And that concept of our heart as our internal drum, our rhythm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and yes, if I, and I love that you choose the word normal, you know, if this was just mm -hmm. a part of what people expected as part of their wellness and care for themselves. And I think, yeah. um, you know, we are moving that forward and having um, passionate music therapists like you coming <laughs> yeah. into our profession <laughs> is, you, yeah. uh, is so important. And um, I just want to thank you so much for being here with us today and sharing the important work that you're doing in Nova Scotia. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. It's such a pleasure. I enjoyed this. Thank you. So lovely to talk with Yasmin today and her experiences as a relatively new music therapist in Canada. And something that I haven't heard or considered really through this podcast or in my life uh, is the fact that certain types of music or certain songs um, should be kept personal. For her specifically, she's saying that there are certain even uh, genres and uh, songs that she really holds dear that she doesn't use in her practice. And I hadn't really considered that. And she says, you know, keeping music for you is a way to, um, I guess, keep those, those two things separate. Um, your therapy practice and your work with clients because, 
you know, I'm just reflecting on that thinking, okay, well, if I was using a song uh, in an experience with a client and then I listened to it personally, for me, that would re-trigger that therapy session or, or those conversations or, and again, as everyone knows, I'm not a therapist, but because we're so connected to music and the experiences that uh, coincide with music, that I feel like maybe that's a reason why, you know, keeping those songs sacred or keeping that experience sacred because music's a part of us and our other experiences. So almost preventing that blurring of the connections around music, uh, you know, personally and professionally. And she talked about keeping a bubble around songs that matter. Um, I thought that was, that was really cool and important to consider not only in music therapy, but in our life, you know, in our experiences. I was even talking to my 16-year-old daughter the other day, and she said, you know, I have playlists for different experiences that I have. And, you know, these types of musical uh, songs or genres, sounds are associated with different life experiences. And when she hears that again, she's brought back to that uh, experience, which I know is like the root of music therapy, right? <laughs> Some of those issues. But anyway, I just thought that was really cool that he has talked about that. Yeah, it is really interesting to think about boundaries in that way around our own personal music. And um, it's a new idea for me to be hearing about thinking of um, of keeping um, some music for yourself. And I think it's a really personal decision um, with made with intention by each music therapist on, you know, what you bring in or how you respond or how you create boundaries around, around considering all of that and really important to think about and reflect on. Um, and then yes, playlists. Uh, there's, I mean, we hear more and more about we're learning so much about the power of each playlist and creating those and how meaningful and helpful they can be and absolutely yeah the music just taking you back or connecting you to a memory a time a place a feeling slowing you down um giving you energy all of those things I, I think is so important. I love talking to Yasmin and hearing about the important work she's doing in addictions and mental health and bringing that powerful, re, like valued, important trauma informed lens uh, to all of her work and really important for all of us as music therapists to be making sure that we're staying informed and educated and current in terms of understanding how um, you know, adverse childhood experiences and traumas impact um, health across the lifetime. I was really, really fortunate to uh, actually hear Dr. Gabor Matei in person this month and uh, hear about the latest book that he's written, The Myth of Normal. And I'm just moving deeper into um, how um, trauma impacts health. So certainly our mental health and also our physical health, which is just really uh, important consideration that the strong message from Dr. Matei, of course, is to 
um, physicians and healthcare professionals to be considering the whole person. And I feel like in sharing her vision for care and for music therapy in our profession, that's really what Yasmin is talking about, about considering the whole person and, and how music accesses these parts that sometimes aren't maybe um, brought to the surface or helps us to access them as well. So just a really important piece of, of care. Um, and then one final piece I want to comment on that I think is so important for for learners and newer music therapists are is around um, planning and being prepared. So plan always um, so important to bring your toolkit, so to speak, and be prepared and have your session plan with and then holding it in with openness like like we were saying and talking with Yasmin, you know, holding that plan and having that and maybe some different resources and strategies that you might be bringing in and then being able to let it go or be flexible within it, depending on what's happening with the individual or the group that you're supporting. So um, thanks again to Yasmin. Uh, so great to hear about the work that you're doing and inspiring for our listeners. Thank you for joining us on the Canadian Music Therapy Podcast. To learn more about resources from the show, please visit beyondthestudio.ca. Thanks for listening.